indeed you are on Rise FM in 60 minutes with myself this evening we're looking into insurance claim processes we've invited the South African Insurance Association I'm joined to speak more on it by the claims uh, I suppose claims management there Musidi Shumang she joins us to reflect on that we take you know insurance policies to cover ourselves or you know to cover you know ourselves from eventualities but you know what happens when you need to claim uh musidi is my guest this evening musidi good evening thank you so much for your time thank you very much Musa, and thanks to the rise fm listeners musidi let's start at the beginning how does the insurance company arrive at the decision to pay a claim um, when an insurance process uh, actually there are two things that they need to certify, satisfy themselves with. Um, this is the merits of the claim, basically confirming that an incident had happened. Mm. Uh, and that incident falls within the policy cover. I'll give you an example. If you are claiming for a car accident, the first thing would be um, the, the accident did happen, checking whether it did happen, are there damages, was the person driving, having a license. And then, you know, once they they happy that um, the person has followed the policy requirements and an incident happened, they will then accept the merit. So the person had a driver's license, is the right person, and it's a genuine accident. So they will accept the merits of the claim. Then the second part is how much is this claim? So they need to assess the car, if you use the car example, to say, okay, to repair this car, how much will it be? Or if we are writing it off, how much will it be? That's what we call uh, the quantum. So once they've accepted the merits to say uh, this type of incident is covered under the insurance policy then they will then say yes we accept the merits and now we're going to calculate how much we are prepared to pay or how much the damages are or what is your policy saying you know because sometimes there are limits to what can be paid out so maybe the policy has got a certain limit on what they can pay out Mm -hmm. you know looking at just you know that I suppose that process there or that decision to pay a claim, I mean, establishing that quantum, you know, talk us more there. I mean, obviously they need to identify the costs that are associated with the claim, but what happens when, for example, using that car, you know, analogy, what happens when the claim it's bigger than the, the actual asset value or, you know, that property that is being covered? Okay. What normally happens on your policy when you cover a vehicle or a property, there is something called the sum insured. So when you read your policy, that sum insured says that is the maximum amount that the insurance can pay on that property in the event of a valid claim. Mm. So if your house is, let's say for an example, uh, 1 million rand or is 500,000 rand, you've covered it. So they're going to say what we can pay to the maximum on this house is that 500,000. So if it gets bent down altogether, 
that to rebuild it is 500,000. If they find out that actually the house is costing more than the 500,000 that you have insured it for, they will then settle you in cash that 500,000. They won't pay more than the sum insured. That is why it's always important for policyholders to put the sum insured at what we call replacement value. So every year you must check whether uh, your house, have you done any additions, what it will cost to replace that house. Then you insure it for that amount. Mm. Don't insure it for any other. It's how much will it cost me to replace my house or how much will it cost me to replace uh, my household contents, that is the furniture, the clothes, cutlery, and everything that is in my house. You calculate that and say, okay, it will, or I can insure it for this amount. That's how much the insurance can pay to the maximum. Mm. Now that we have arrived mm. at the process, you know, the insurer decides, you know, to pay a claim. Let's talk about what is then embedded on us as policyholders. What is the duty of a policyholder, you know, policyholder when they have a claim? I think that the first thing is what we call uh, avoid further damages by taking care of the event. And I'll give you an example. Let's say your roof is partly damaged due to rain and the house is being flooded. So uh, as due care is, you then need to move the furniture that is exposed to a safer area. Mm. So you don't say, ah, it's damaged, yeah, I'm going to leave it, the insurance will pay for it. So you need to try where humanly possible, of course, yeah. to then put the thing into into safety. If it's not possible, it does happen. Like you are in an accident, is in a very bad place. Uh, the route would be you need to, the first thing is when you are in an accident, park and check if you can drive the car. Mm. But let's say you are in an unsafe place and you are a lady. You're not going to park and you hit a pothole. You can see if I have further damage, I'll further damage this car by driving it. But you will drive to a safe place. Mm. It's acceptable because you are protecting yourself. So that principle does cover those incidents. Mm. The, the second part is um, assisting with information. Now, most of the contracts that people do enter into have got a clause where they sign to say they will assist and consent to giving information when there is a claim. Now, if your policy has got that clause, you are then saying, if let's say I had an accident at 12 o'clock midnight, and then they start asking you to say, uh, you know, where were you, uh, what were you driving? You need to give them all the information, things like your police case, I did report it, what happened, who, you know, everything that you can remember. And where, let's say they stole, uh, broke into your house, uh, they need clarity as to what is it that they stole. You need to tell them, I had a laptop, I had this, I bought it from this place, for them to be able to arrive at a decision on, on your claim. Mm. If you don't remember certain things, you can say, I, I, I don't remember, or if there are witnesses, you can give them witnesses. Mm. It is important to report a crime. So when it's an accident, it has to be reported within 24 hours. Butleries and malicious damage need to be reported because there is a crime. So in South Africa, when there is a crime that happened, you need to report it. But cell phones, uh, when it gets stolen, you need to blacklist it. So you need to phone your provider and say, block that cell phone and blacklist it. 
and report it because theft is is, is a crime. Most importantly, is you have to pay the excess. On your policy document, there is a statement that shows what excess is applicable when. So you'd find for a vehicle, there's a certain excess. For household damages, there is another excess. That's the excess you pay every time there is claim. Mm. Then there's an issue of providing truthful information. <laughs> yeah, and this one <laughs> is a problem. Because you find people in car accidents where... A person, like you mentioned earlier, someone who's without a driver's license was the one actually driving the car. But on when they have to go to, obviously, their insurer, you know, they will tell a different story of who was actually driving the car. Um, you know, that, that is, that's one thing, the reason why insurers are so strict with this, because incorrect information or false information and crime within the insurance industry is so high and it's costing us, all of us, high premiums because they're paying the claims that they were not supposed to pay. But when you have found out that you uh, provided incorrect or not incorrect but uh, falsified information, the insurer can cancel your policy and decline your claim. Now, within the short-term industry, once an insurer cancels your policy, it's going to be very difficult for you to get any other policy. Mm-hmm. You get blacklisted. So uh, people need to weigh those um, uh, you know, costs to say, will I be able to live without insurance for the rest of my life mm-hmm. when I want to buy things? Mm-hmm. And what you find is some, sometimes people say lies on irrelevant information, you know. Uh, you were driving, um, it, it may not even affect the, the, the claim when they assess it. It's yeah. just that it's part of their protocol when they ask all these things. Like, they will ask for your telephone uh, records. The only thing they're going to look at is on the records where you were at the place where you said you were at the time you were. That's it. They're not interested in knowing who you are phoning. Remember, in terms of the act, they can't use your information sure, for sure. any other thing except for a claim. You know? So we say uh, we give wrong information unnecessarily, and we, we put ourselves in jeopardy for nothing. So mm. I, I would recommend people tell the truth. Do not allow anybody who doesn't have a driver's license to drive your car. <laughs> the police. Yeah. Without a doubt. You're on Rise of Firm in 60 minutes. This evening, I'm chatting to the South African Insurance Association. We're talking about just the processes there of making a claim. And this evening, I'm joined by the South African Insurance Association's uh, Musidi uh, Shumang. And uh, she is my definitely my guest this evening. We're looking at some of the processes there. You know, Mosidi, how does insurance companies settle claim? Um, they've, they've got three things, and it's part of the, um, their processes. They can either repair. Okay. Let's say your cell phone is damaged. Yeah. They can either repair it, or they can replace it if it, it cannot be repaired. Mm. And the sum insured allows them, they can replace your cell phone, or they can opt to pay you cash for your cell phone. Mm. In most cases, it, it, in actual fact, it is their decision. So when you contract with them, you give them that option to decide whether they want to repair, replace, 
or pay out in cash. Mm. And they, those are the things they, they can do. Of course, they will not try to repair something that is not repairable. Like sure. normally when a vehicle damages are above 60% or 75%, yeah. they'll write off that vehicle because a good part of the vehicle is damaged. Yeah, yeah. When do insurance companies then decide to write off a vehicle instead? I mean, of, you know, just repairing it? Because that's very interesting there, what you've just submitted. Yeah. In most cases, they look at the, the two things. Is the vehicle structurally sound? So if it's in an, in an accident and the chassis is damaged, the airbags have popped out. So repairing this vehicle it may it has compromised the safety features of the vehicle. Yeah. In most cases, insurers would opt to write off that vehicle because they can't, they can't guarantee the safety of the client and they don't want to risk with the safety of the client. So that's the first part. If they feel that that vehicle safety, they can't fix it, they write it off. Um, the second part is uh, sometimes if the repair cost are very expensive. Now, remember, a car, when you sell it as a unit, it may be cheaper. But when you add the parts individually, it can cost a lot of money. So when it gets to 75%, some would say 50%, then it becomes uneconomical for them to repair, and they would say, rather, we write off that vehicle. In most cases where... The safety features are fine. It's just that the repair costs because of the parts are more expensive. Uh, The client can talk to the insurance and say, guys, would you mind if I fix it myself? But remember, if you take something that they are not comfortable, uh, you are passing the responsibility to yourself to fix it. It, It's never safer to fix a car that insurance has written off. If you just join in the conversation, you're more than welcome to also ask a question. Musidi is here this evening to help us understand the processes of making a claim or the insurance claim processes. That's the gist of our conversation this evening. And if you do have any queries around how you were claiming from your insurer, it doesn't matter which insurance company are you using. Musidi is with the South African Insurance Association. She's definitely equipped to talk more on some of those irregularities and just the, the correct processes that should be followed there. Mosidi, how do policyholders know what settlement they should be receiving? Um, the first part is, uh, obviously, if it's a damage, uh, something or it's something that needs to be replaced, there would be quotations that either you get or they get or the assessment they have, they've made. They will offer that and say, okay, it will cost so much to repair this thing. We prepared to pay you that amount of money. Um, they normally present this in what we call an agreement of loss. So they will say, we've checked with the repairers. It will cost 10000 to fix whatever, so we'll pay 10000 The second part is the sum in short. I spoke about it where, let's say the house is totally destroyed, and then they need to give you money to rebuild your house. They can only pay you up to the sum in short, the full limit of the sum in short. So that's the amount they need to pay you. Mm. Um, But always remember, in every claim, there is excess applicable. So sometimes there are additional excesses. But on this agreement of loss, uh, what listeners can do when they give you that document, they need to explain how they arrived at that decision. And you have a right to check it. And if they said your house was 
100,000, you can confirm with somebody and do your own work, homework if you want to question them. Uh, but that's how they will settle it. Less the excess, or if there are additional excesses, they will less um, those excesses. Mm-hmm. The number to SMS this evening is double three nine four three. In case you have a question there, send to your SMS on W on double three nine four three. Nomkada Ongas Bambi Mtatwini on zero one three seven five seven double zero nine six. Musidi Shumang of the South African Insurance Association is my guest this evening. We're looking into the processes of insurance claims and you're more than welcome there to send in your question i see usabelo there was asking how do i sms so it's double three nine four three now musidi can the policyholder repair the damages and claim later um it's advisable to call your insurer and say look let's say um, they've broken into your house and they broke the butler door now, you can't sleep without the burglar door not working, so it's an emergency repair. So things like emergency repairs are allowed by most insurers. Um, however, we advise the, the person to stay, phone the insurance company, tell them, look, I can't stay with, with a window not being repaired. Your guys are going to come tomorrow or the next day, so I'm going to repair the window. However, it is important to take a photo of the damages. Because they can't come there and they can't see anything that was damaged. So you need to, before you do the emergency repairs, take a photo and then um, so that you can show them the proof that there were damages. Sometimes when they, they do allow you to say, look, we are held up, proceed to do the repairs. But always make sure that you take the pictures of those damages that is proof you keep the receipts of whatever you've paid that you're going to claim back. Mm. Those are the two prerequisites, yeah. And give them a call and get authorization from them. Mm. So what happens if the policyholder, notices, I suppose, notices damages or any loss of other items after the claim had been settled? Um, it does happen. It's a reality. Sure. Uh, if you can prove that that damage was part of the loss. You know, so they will send their assessors, they will reopen the claim, and then uh, settle that. It does happen a lot when they've uh, entered into your house and, and, and stole things. You don't at the, you know, recognize everything. Then you realize, ah, but there was that fridge, or there was that TV on the corner, they took it, or... You know, those things. As long as there's sufficient evidence that you did own this thing, um, you know, and yes, I, I didn't put it on the list, but I realize now, because there are things that we don't use on a daily basis, sure. and those are the things that they can steal, and you may not realize it. Mm. What's important is insurance. You need to give them reasonable proof, not beyond reasonable doubt, but just reasonable, you know, to say, I had this thing, it was here, I forgot to claim for it. I'm not just adding into the claim. They will reopen the claim and then pay you. Mm. But not all claims are paid, right? You know, you know what are mm-hmm. common reasons why insurances company or, or maybe insurance companies, you know, reject claims? First thing is um, people not speaking to the conditions or the, the terms and conditions of the policy. The typical thing of giving somebody without a driver's license to drive your vehicle. Sure. Um, 
things like um, they said your vehicle must have a tracking device for them to cover theft. You don't put a tracking device, it gets stolen, they don't cover it. So my uh, uh, recommendation is to say to listeners, please read your terms and conditions. If you do not understand them, phone the insurance company and say, please explain this thing in my language that I need to understand you properly. Mm. There are certain losses uh, or damages that are excluded from the policy. Like things like maintenance, uh, wear and tear sure. uh, are not included in the policy. So if there is a damage, like it happens a lot with roofs, roof leaks. People mm. don't, um, where you find a member didn't clean the gutters, yeah. uh, the trees, and then the, the rain gets in, and you try to train and they say, but it's not a damage, it's just a maintenance issue. So it's not covered by, by the policy. It is actually not it's an exclusion on, on your policy. And some insurers will indicate to say, I'm not covering this. Uh, like things like where a tire is damaged, only the tire without the ring. Some will say, no, I don't cover a tire only, or I don't cover damage to the keys. They will specify it on the policy. Um, where a claim is seen to be fraudulent, insurers do not pay it. Uh, and also, if you didn't pay your premiums, these are the typical yeah. reasons uh, where people and where people didn't disclose information. And we're only talking about material information. I'll give you an example. Somebody older buys a car, um, he drives it, then uh, he decides to give it to his 16-year-old who's got a license, or 18-year-old who's got a license, who stays wherever. Uh, in a place where it's not secured, maybe in a flat, and he parks the car on the street, and the car is stolen. Now, that is material because one of the insured is thinking that this car is parked overnight in the garage. Mm. So when you do those changes that are material, you need to inform the insurance to say, hey, I'm no longer parking in the garage, I'm parking in the street. Then they can decide whether they want to cover you or not. Do they impose extra premium? or they just leave it as is, but you are safe because you sold them. You know, Mosidi, before I just, you know, ask this question that uh, Makaba underscore 12 on Twitter has just asked, I want to just dwell on that point because we live mostly in the urban areas. Should we then inform our insurers the day we go for a month visit, especially from a different location, from what I've, you know, inscribed in my contract to say, please cover me for this. Should I then inform my insurer to say, I'm going to be visiting for this long in this area. Please pay attention to that as well. Let's look at some of the standard conditions. So if your house, I'll take the house. If you're going to leave your house vacant for more than 30 days, most of the policy says that house will not be covered. They may include exclude certain things. Not all insurers exclude it altogether. Some will just say, if it gets vandalized, we will not cover it. Uh, some would say, you need to advise us. I would recommend that if you're going to leave your house for more than 30 days or for a longer period, advise your insurance. When there is material change, if you're going to stay somewhere for more than a month, it is always best to say to the insurer, hey, I normally park the car here, but I'm moving to Devon for a month. I will be in Devon. 
just to know. It doesn't cost you anything. But they do understand also that people visit. So if you visit for a week or things like that, that is not bigger change. It's when it becomes longer term, you know, things like a month or so, then it becomes an issue. But, you know, you always want to err on the right side. It doesn't cost too much to take a telephone call and tell them. <laughs> That's definitely there. This evening I'm chatting to uh, Musidi uh, Shuma, uh, Shumang of the South African Insurance Association. Musidi, uh, there's uh, Makaba underscore 12 on Twitter. He says, as much as, uh, hi Musa, as much as your guest has touched on why uh, insurances reject claims, can she tell us why do the car insurances reject claims? Okay, um, it, it's the same uh, thing, but I can add. Sure. One of the biggest thing that we find as a reason, we, uh, driving under the influence, we know it's against the law. So the minute you've done something against the law, insurance does not cover you for breaking the rules of the road, the, the law, especially the drinking and driving. But most importantly, it's just for your safety. Mm. Where a vehicle is unroadworthy, it is an exclusion. It's stipulated to say your vehicle has to be unroadworthy. Things like your tires have to be roadworthy. But we do have incidences where uh, insurers would say, let's say your tire was not roadworthy, but the car was parked and somebody decided to uh, bump into you. Sure. So at that time, the tire has got no relevance to a car that is parked. So whether you were not driving, you know, you had a good tire or not, they were going to bump you because you were stationary. So the first thing they will ask, were you stationary? If you say yes, then it's not an issue. So there is that. It has to be material to the law. Mm. Yeah. Uh, driving without a license. Yeah. Uh, sorry? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, this one is just a lot of, yeah, it, it it's definitely a lot of the claims I suppose insurances get, you know, where people have given people without driver's license. Yeah, it is the biggest problem. Under the influence of liquor and, and driving without license. And then yeah. withholding the truth, and I, I've specified it. When the assessor comes and asks you, giving the full truth, some of this. Masidi? Uh, Musidi, can you hear me? It would appear that, that we have lost uh, Musidi. She is with the South African uh, Insurance Association. This evening we were looking into insurance claim processes and uh, she was just making a lot of point there with, uh, you know, the common reasons why insurance companies reject motor claims. And, uh, yeah, I understand that, uh, you know, the part that she, you know, she was cut off on was that one of, you know, just withholding the correct information there. So she was definitely, uh, Musidi, I begin, uh, I suppose I believe she joins us back on the line now. Musidi, you were making a point there about telling the truth or withholding the correct information around, you know, why, is, you know, some, some insurance companies reject motor claims. Yeah, if you start withholding, because your contract, you said, I will disclose the, the truth, I will give you all the information. So if you start telling um, incorrect information, the insurer may reject your claim. Of course, they will look at how relevant is that information and if there were prejudice. 
you know, if you, let's say you, you went to a bar and you went home, they ask you, well, you say, no, I went from work to home. But, uh, and then they realize, but you did pass the bar. Yeah. And maybe you say, no, but I, I didn't drink at that bar. They say, no, but we could have asked for CCTVs to check whether you drank or not. You've you haven't given us the opportunity to ask for those CCTVs. Therefore, you've prejudiced us, and we have a right to 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 cancel the claim. Mm. And you find you didn't drink, so you should have just told them. Or oh, you were not drunk. They can't. You know, they need to prove that you were intoxicated. <laughs> so sometimes withholding information is not worth your while. Tell the truth and let them accept or reject your claim. It's not worth them canceling your policy. Yeah. Before I let you go, you know, I want to touch on this aspect because we've been talking around, you know, why insurance companies then reject the claims. But I'm sure when you're making the claim, it is valid. But what then, you know, what should one anticipate or what should one expect from insurance companies when they have rejected a claim? Uh, first thing is they have to reject it formally in a written notification, like a rejection letter. On that rejection letter, they need to refer you to a clause. So they can't say, no, we're not paying your claim. They need to say, we're not paying your claim based on clause so-and-so on your contract. You didn't comply with this section of the policy. Therefore, we're rejecting the claim. Because it's all about the contract that you do have with them. So they need to do that. They need to also tell you to say, what other options do you have? You can complain. You can appeal the decision. You can go to the ombudsman. And they need to tell you the time frame. So it doesn't mean when the claims department has rejected it, that's the end of the day. You can complain to the their complaints department or take the matter with the ombudsman who may rule in your favor. So those are the things they need to to stipulate and the time frames for you to um, oppose the ombudsman or legal action if you want to. So in that letter, they will put all these things and even give you the details of the ombudsman. Well, see, really appreciate having talked to you this evening and I think you have made those processes a lot clearer and I understood them, and I trust that was the same with a lot of those that we engaged in this conversation. Thank you very much, and thanks to your listeners. That was the, the South African Insurance Association, Musidi Shumang, speaking to us here on Rise Firm in 60 Minutes around the claims management. Definitely the conversation was centered around insurance claim processes. We're looking just at this, just the processes of if that event that we are normally covered for finally happens what really is the right step that one ought to take.